Hey, I'm Patrick McGinnis, and I'm today's Man of the Hour. We've all heard the term FOMO, the fear of missing out. Now, although this is something we've all felt in our lives somewhere or another, there are ways in avoiding this feeling so you can focus your energy in a more positive way doing things that really matter to you. You ready for this episode? Joining me right now is the guy who coined that term FOMO, venture capitalist, writer, and speaker, Patrick McGinnis. From one podcast brother to another, Patrick, it's so good to see you, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. You know, we ask ourselves these loaded questions all the time of how am I really doing? And this is such a unique year in and of itself. But the second you responded back to my inquiry, I was like, you know what? Patrick McGinnis is coming on the show. So I'm doing pretty damn good. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> now I got to like really bring the A game. I'm going to try it. Gosh. Well, you know, and when I first, when I first found FOMO Sapiens on all the podcast platforms and then started researching you and I was like, man, this fear of missing out term has been a part of my life since I can't even remember at this point. Uh, and, and you, I'm so proud to even know you at this point to know that you created the term. And then back in 2013, it hit the, you know, the, the dictionary and it, it's an official thing. And, and we'll get into all things FOMO and FOBO as well while we discuss, you know, you, you know, what we get in discussion with you, but I can only imagine how busy you've been during this time. And, and we talked about this lightly, you know, when you start thinking of the 2020 year and how much opportunity has presented itself to you, how has 2020 really looked for you? Oh, I mean, I had a plan. I had a plan. It was such a plan. It was so well designed. I had, um, you know, my book was coming out, podcast. I was going to be spending a lot of time in Latin America for, um, for my investing stuff. Like, I had it all ready. Um, like, I don't do specific planning, but I have, like, big picture. And everything got scrambled in March, like everybody else. So, you know, we all know how that feels like. And I think the plan became a plan of, like, um, pivot to digital. And I have to say, it's been a great, it's been a great education and, and frankly, um, turned up a lot of opportunities I had never even thought about before. I mean, there were definitely some, some moments where I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do here? But I've ended up, I feel pretty good about where things are ending up, thankfully. And, and I know for a lot of people, they can't pivot to digital. So I'm also, you know, really appreciative that I've been able to do that. And then when you say pivot to digital... What do you mean by that besides obviously <clears throat> amplifying the show that you host with FOMO Sapiens and such, but I guess everything has went digital for you? So for example, um, in March, I was about to go on a business trip to Africa and I had a full slate of speaking events, like, you know, speaking here and speaking there, traveling to this place and that place, all that, like, and it was like a two day period. I remember it like, <laughs> it's crazy. Everything got canceled, everything, everything, everything. And I was like, wow, that's like basically all my work. And now, like, I'm doing the stuff in Africa remotely, believe it or not. Yeah. And speaking is all on Zoom. And so it's crazy how much of the things that I used to think you had to be on the ground for, right. now you can do them from the comfort from your, of your own home, which is where I am right now. So, like, I've invested in all the stuff you need to do it. But, like, once you do that investment, then you're pretty ready to go. Yeah. And ready to go for how long is the question I have often been asking myself and everybody who's had to pivot in such a way. I mean, although it's 
it's where we are right now and it's working for guys like you and I, thankfully, and, and knock on all the wood in the room here. But when looking into the future, some people are in talks of a, a return to normal, maybe summer of 2021 and all that. But do you see there being maybe an issue with having all things digital, you know, indefinitely? Yeah, I mean, I think people want, it's especially, I think, work-wise, like the flexibility that's been brought in by work from home is a positive. I think, you know, especially for people who have long commutes or, you know, I, I could work for myself. I used to go to a, a co-working. I had like three co-workings that I would work from. And like, I never, because I never had a great setup at home. Sure. And now I, I would combine the two. I'd do some things at home and some things outside. And I think I've kind of figured that out. And, um, but I'll tell you, I do think that um, it'll never go back to exactly how it was before. But I think the social aspects have to, because frankly, like if I, you know, I, I don't know about you, I haven't been on a Zoom social event in a long time because I just yeah. can't. Yeah. They're, they're lame. It was so. cute at first and then they became a little lame. Yeah. I, you know, I don't care. It's your birthday. I don't want to see you on Zoom. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll call you. <laughs> and how awkward is the toast? <laughs> like clinging in the uh, All the people drinking in their desks. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's just not a it's not a, it's not a replacement and so i think um but i just think like a things like work travel right like that mm. that expectation that you've got to be to every meeting those are dead i think you know we recognize that you can you don't have to be and so i think that's a positive for everybody and the environment yeah and then to hopefully look forward to getting back to that soon. I mean, you bring up this idea of social. And so I want to ask you, this was seven or eight years ago now, and then fast forward to this term FOMO, fear of missing out. It is what you're known for. It, it's how many people discover you, not through just your podcast, but through all of the speaking engagements that you do. Uh, when you thought of fear of missing out back, this is 2012, 13, uh, where did that idea stem from? And then what made you want to create a term and now a huge career and platform around it yeah so it actually goes back to 2004 four see because it went into the dictionary in 2013 but in 2004 right. i was a i was a, a second year or first year student um i was at harvard business school mm -hmm. and i um i got there from new york city and this was pre-social media believe it or not and basically there was this pressure to try to do everything and be everything and, and take advantage of all the opportunities that existed because it's such a choice rich environment. And I had lived through nine 11 right before school started. So I was like super thankful to be able to take advantage of that. And also realizing that the world, you never know what's going to happen. So you got to live in the moment. Yeah. And so I tried to do it all. And I felt a ton of stress around that. And I was like, why am I so stressed about going to party? Like I'm, I'm going to five parties tonight. Why am I stressed? That's weird. And so I started calling that fear of missing out, shortened it to FOMO, wrote an article in our school newspaper back in 2004. And here we are now all these years later and the world is caught up because social media gives us all FOMO. And so it's something that, you know, I just recognize not only is it an interesting phenomenon in terms of like what it drives us to do in making investments and in our work and stuff, but it's important because there's been a ton of um, clinical psychology research that shows that FOMO causes mental health problems. And so it just occurred to me that it's pretty unfortunate that a lot of people spend valuable time and energy trying to live somebody else's life and not their own. And I should try to step into the fray and help out to diffuse some of the damage that is being caused. Mm. Simply put in a practical sense now, 
what would you say are some of the first steps people would need to take in order to get out of it? Especially, I mean, you brought it up and I was going to bring it up a bit later. And it, this idea of the mental health scare that will come along with this uh, feeling of FOMO and, and more importantly, just the overall uh, identity crisis that might come with it too. There's like all these effort, different pillars I'm, I know you're aware of, but simply put, what are the first steps in trying not to feel so much FOMO? Yeah, I mean, if you the, a good way to start thinking about it that I think everybody will kind of be able to kind of work into their own lives starting now is to think about what, what's happening when you have FOMO, like what's really going on. There are two things that are happening. Um, two things. The first is um, you're feeling, perceiving there's something better out there than what you're doing right now. So there's a perception, this is aspirational, like, oh, there's something great out there I want for me. I perceive it to be so. The second thing is that you're feeling pressure to not miss out, to not be excluded from a beneficial group experience like this. The herd is running in one direction and you don't want to be left out, right? And those are things, by the way, like those feelings are part of what it is to be human. Uh, our earliest ancestors were very aware of what other people had and what they didn't have because they needed those things in order to survive in like the harsh terrain of the time. So if you think about those two things, then it's easy to start thinking about how to deal with FOMO. So how do you deal with the perception that there's something better happening out there? Well, you've got to think, is this perception or deception? Is this thing real or is it just like look great on paper, right? Like Firefest. Many of you remember Firefest, this party, all these people, there were like documentaries about it on Netflix. It was kind of like a bull a BS party that like was marketed and by all these influencers. If you had done like five minutes of homework, you would have realized it was, it was not real. Right. But like, it just looks so great on paper. Um, and then the perception of the herd issues around like, you know, why am I doing this? Are you doing this because you really want to do it or because somebody else is doing it and you don't want to be left behind. And so as you attack those two at the source and think critically, that's a really great way to start dealing with your feelings of FOMO. Hmm. Wow. And it's incredible that you bring up that. And it sounds so simple, yet we don't realize it until someone like you breaks it down like that, too. I think a lot of us start wondering why we feel this sense of FOMO and, and amplified on social is probably one of the biggest things that drives it at this point. Where do you think social media plays a hand in all this in terms of make it brought it to a whole new level? Like you'd said, it wasn't in existence when you first thought of it. Yeah, I mean, FOMO, so FOMO has existed since the dawn of time. In fact, if you think about the, the phrase keeping up with the Joneses, that's FOMO, right? And that's been around since the early 1900s. So, um, you know, that's, these are not new feelings that we have. The difference is, of course, social media. So what does social media do that, fuses, that, 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 sort, of, that sort of supercharges our FOMO? Number one, gives us tons of information. So we're in an information overload about all the things we could potentially do. Number two, it allows us to easily compare ourselves, not just to our friends and families, but to celebrities who show up in our feed right alongside everybody else. And number three, um, it gives us reference anxiety. It's this feeling that like, well, they're doing something. And so it looks so great. Uh, my life sucks. You know, I'm not doing this or that thing. I don't have this job. I don't have this girlfriend. I don't have this vacation. And so um, those things, if you think about like, if you didn't have a cell phone, you know, social media it would be just a completely different experience. And that, that's why FOMO is such an issue today. That's why you need a word for FOMO because, um, you know, I've had the fortune of traveling all over the world. I've been over to over a hundred countries and you go to, you know, rural Uganda and everybody's got a cell phone with YouTube so they can see what's happening 
all over the world and they can feel those feelings. And so that is, it's a universal thing. Social media has been the great equalizer for all of us to feel FOMO. And it has been, um, you know, super damaging for folks. And that's why they, you know, stats show, like studies have shown that people with FOMO spend more time on social media and people with social, that, who love social media and spend more time on it have more FOMO. So it's like a very vicious cycle that self-reinforces and is bad for everybody. And something that combats that very thing is your podcast, for instance, FOMO Sapiens. Uh, you're, you're into season five. And first of all, congratulations on that with over 2 million downloads, which is huge. Uh, you know, but the mission is very clear with this. And I think it was, it, like you'd said earlier, it, it looks better on paper, but this is on paper because the mission is so strong. But it's, you, you, you aim to really help people kind of find the power to choose what they want, but then also find the courage to miss out on the rest. I want to hit on that point as we discussed the negatives of kind of what FOMO is and how it's amplified right now in today's time. But what did you mean by the, you know, building the courage to miss out on the rest? Yeah. So I've thought a lot about like, what is a FOMO sapiens, right? And um, I used to think I've really evolved. So, you know, anybody can change. I used to think a FOMO sapiens was a bad thing, right? It's like, oh, you're a FOMO sapiens. You have FOMO all the time. Yeah. And then I started to realize like, well, I'm a massive FOMO sapiens. And I think I actually, I'm, I'm like, I like what I do. So what I realized is a FOMO sapiens is, a, is an entrepreneurial thinker who lives decisively no matter what's thrown at them, right? So it's, it's actually like being a FOMO sapiens is, is a good thing. But you got to manage your FOMO. You got to know how to act decisively, choose what you want, and then let go of the rest, miss out. And so the missing out part, which you have um, highlighted is it's 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 a couple of things. I just shook the desk here. Sorry, um, it's a couple of things. I'll shake my desk too. <laughs> there we go. It's like it's not an earthquake, everybody. Um, it's like 2020. What else could they give oh, what us? What else could go wrong in New York at that point, right? Exactly. It's like oh, yeah. earthquake. So um, the missing out part is super important because, as I mentioned before, we get so much external stimuli, and what happens is like so. The solution of FOMO is to, and to indecision in, 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 in general is finding the power to choose what you actually want. Awesome. You know what you want. Great. The problem is then the universe conspires to tear you off the path, gives you lots of like shiny things to run after and distractions. And so that is, that's really important is like, how do you make sure you don't get pulled away from what you actually want to do? And that's a combination of things like managing your relationship with devices. It's about like, you know, um, keeping things in perspective. It's about, I think meditation. I just met like before I came on here with you, I just meditated my daily meditation just to like focus myself and be like in the right spot to have a real convo with you. And so that's what, um, there's a, it's a lot of that stuff we talk about on the show and um, with people who really do it, like really busy people, you know, like the Jay Shetty's and the Andrew Yang's and yeah. of the world who are like way busier than you or me and they, they do it. Man, you meditated before this. I'm, I'm honored that you would ground yourself to have a really good conversation and we are having a good conversation because of it. Where have you found meditation to be helpful for you at least? I mean, do you do it daily, once a day, how often? So... I remember when I started, mm. <laughs> great story. I love this. <laughs> I, I, I started, uh, my brother's meditated for years and I went to some workshops with him and I don't know, the style he did was just not my, it was a little too like woo woo for me. I just was like, these are not my people. And then I started taking classes, believe it or not, at Equinox gyms, they okay. meditation. I went and it was much more like, it met me where I was and like, you got to just kind of find there's a million, it's like ice cream. There's a million flavors. You got to find the flavor you like. 
And so I started practicing and then I, um, I started just, you know, doing like 10 minutes. I started five minutes a day actually. And then I worked my way up to 10 or more and, um, every day, I think it's important to do it every day. And I just do, uh, you know, I, I have a, uh, I, I do it silently. I have a timer and stuff. And I remember when I started, uh, a friend of mine who's kind of had started as well. and was like, well, you know, that's not enough. You need to do more. You need to do at least an hour a day, or I don't even know what the, Sure enough, all these years later, like this person never meditates anymore. I now have this, you know, I've been meditating. I haven't missed a day in over a year. Sure. I'm like, maybe I could do more. Sure, I could meditate an hour. But I don't know if I could. I could try. Yeah. But listen, you have to find the, the place where it's sustainable for you. And for me, that's the place where it is. And studies have shown that people who meditate for at least nine minutes a day actually have changes in their gray matter in their brain. So like, I feel like I see the, I see the effects, you know, I may increase over time and probably that would be great. But the other thing is there's no rules. Like for some people, meditation, maybe they can't figure out how to do it or they just can't stick to it. But there are other things you can do. Go for a walk, you know, like go for a run. Everybody can find ways of being mindful. All it means is you're stopping for a minute and being present in where you are and focused on that exact moment. That's all it is. Doesn't have to be anything fancy or there are going to be crystals or funny music. None of that. That's all. That's all like window dressing. Support for Men of the Hour comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed hairs below the waist are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season, and I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. There was always something about shaving down there when I was growing up that I was a little iffy about, but Manscaped came in and pushed all those worries away. That's why this revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned their electric trimmer. That's why this revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned their electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology, so this trimmer cuts your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut face, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face, of course, that you use on your balls. That'd be kind of nasty, don't you think? The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And yes, your balls stink. Speaking of sweaty and stinky areas down there, I'm thankful that they have the Crop Reviver. And now this product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and stinking. And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood if you know what I mean. The perfect package will also come with their Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Tis the season to Manscaped yourself today for you, your dad, your brother, and all the friends with the best gift, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Get 20% off and free shipping using the code MOTH20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code MOTH20. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Let's get back to the episode. You've obviously interviewed a lot of incredible people and and you yourself are quite the expert in in several spaces. And so I wanted to ask you, when you look back at this career you're continuing to build, uh, was there ever an aha moment of, man, I think I've really hit the nail on the head here as an entrepreneur, as a host, as a writer, as a speaker, uh, to really ground yourself? I mean, obviously, in addition to grounding yourself in meditation, you know, has there been some moments and 
maybe one in particular where you looked and said, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, you face, when you do your own thing, you face so many moments of doubt. I mean, I've had, mm-hmm. like when I started working for myself, I think the first three years were just deep, deep doubt. Like I was clueless. I had no direction. Um, but that's okay. Cause I had savings and I had, you know, I, I, I had income, um, that was coming in. So I was like, listen, I'll figure it out. And I've had a lot of little ones I'd say. Um, but one that would really struck me this year, as I mentioned earlier, um, everything got canceled in March for me, like everything. It was insane. And I was pretty, um, calm and I was like, things will work out. I have a feeling I'm going to hustle. And I hustled like pretty hard and then things came back. But at some point in the middle of it, um, in the middle of the quarantine, probably May, I started to realize like, actually, you know, I built this portfolio because like I wrote this book, the 10% entrepreneur. It's about being an entrepreneur without quitting your day job. And I've built up like 20 different projects outside of, you know, investments and advisory positions and started things. And I have this portfolio of economic activities that I built since the last financial crisis, because I got so exposed in the last financial crisis, I was not diversified. My company went bankrupt. I was working on wall street for a big company and it was a disaster. And so my whole sort of project for the last decade has been building a diversified portfolio of economic interests, whether it's startups to like real estate, to like the things that I do for work. And at some point in May, I was like, holy mackerel, like actually like I'm pretty good. I have like the best year I've ever had since I started working for myself. And I I don't even understand. And I realized that the diversification that I had built worked. And I I just remember feeling like this moment I was in my old apartment before I moved and I was like, Oh my God, it worked. Like you did it. It worked. And by the way, there'll be more challenges and some of the things didn't work and some of the things will fail, but the strategy worked. And so that for me was like a very, it just gave me a sense of like deep purpose. I was like, okay, like now I've, I've figured it out. Like just keep doing it, keep pushing, you know? And, and that's, that's been really helpful this year to keep me sane. Cause let's face it, this year has been crazy. It's been insane and it's quite hard to stay sane. You're right. Uh, and you brought up this notion that when you go pursue being your own boss, there's a lot of doubt that will come with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and those, those jumps and leaps are there for anybody with any career, anything they're doing in life, there's always going to be challenges. Uh, but I often start thinking about the world of entrepreneurship more particularly, and I know you've experienced this. Um, you, when, you, when you think of like how many people are getting into this very trendy space of being your own boss, I feel like a lot of things are overlooked in terms of what the challenges could be, what you're actually going to have to do, how much sleep you might not actually be getting. So any thoughts there? Oh, tons. I mean, this is, we could, we could do a whole show about this, but we'll do extended version coming next. (laughs) I mean, it's, so here's the thing about that, right? Like I had been a venture capitalist before I worked for myself. I had investment company. I was very, I was very aware of how hard it is. Like I was definitely afraid of entrepreneurship. So I was like the opposite way, really, really afraid. And I am, um, <laughs> in 2011, I was a member of the first ever, second ever WeWork in the world, which was in um, Little West 12th Street in New York City, mm-hmm. which I really, by the way, I really appreciated the flexibility and it was like cheap and kind of awesome. And, um, and it was great. And like, I worked for myself, it was really hard. And frankly, like I was lost the whole time, but, but, I, but I appreciated that space. And then WeWork 
you know, they weren't content to just be like a co-working, which at the time was kind of new. Then it's like, do what you love. And, you know, all this like branding around entrepreneurship and all this like entrepreneurship porn, as people call it. And I remember just watching friend after friend after friend, like leaving their corporate jobs to start their company. And then eventually like going back because they, they, they like, number one, they'd run through their money or it was much harder than they thought, or they weren't happy or whatever it was. And it occurred to me, like what a lie and what a, like a con job it can be the way that it's portrayed. And so that was kind of part of the reason I did the 10% was because I was like, I am a, I'm not going full time. Like I just, I, I'm, I'm frightened of that. Mm-hmm. I want to do things in a much more sustainable way. And so I, I like to give per- people permission and say, it's okay to not want to be an entrepreneur. Like it's, it doesn't mean that you're a loser or that you're stupid or that you don't want to work hard. No, it just means that like that putting all your eggs in one basket you just don't have the risk tolerance or frankly, you may not have the family money. Like a lot of people I know who became entrepreneurs, it's because they had resources. They had family money behind them. If they failed, they're still going to like inherit from their parents. So I think that's a conversation that like it happens. People have that conversation, but, but it, it's to me, it's not talked about enough. Yeah. And we'll, we'll bring you back on in season two for that whole conversation because I'm interested to find out too. Oh, I could go for like hours with that with you. <laughs> We're going to, man. We're going to take a three-hour trip if we need to because that's, it's not necessarily over. I mean, I think every market's oversaturated at this point. It goes back to this whole social media, digital time where everybody has access to certain tools to allow, you know, if you want to be an influencer, go for it. If you want to start a business online, go for it. If you want to build an app, call people on Instagram and go for it, right? There's so many things people are doing right now but I think uh, it stems down to being a self-starter, which I know you are. And so when thinking of the concept of just being a self-starter first, you know, entrepreneurship aside, host, writer, everything aside, you know, when you, when you think to start something by yourself, that's a lonely place, you know, and it goes back to this whole overarching idea and how we found you and what we admire you for with, with the fear of missing out and all the studies you have there too, and your expertise on it. But it's a lonely place to start something on your own. And then to pursue that as you go, they always say it's lonely at the top. So I wanted to bring that up with you. And uh, how lonely is it at the top? You know where I struggle? Um, I'm really good at the first part, but I'm afraid of scaling. Like I like the comfort of the new idea, but then building the structure around it to scale is where I've had to learn a ton and I've had to bring in like hire people and bring in team and, and then I recognize like how great it is for to have people around you who can like take what you do and make it bigger. So um, that helps. I would also say um, when you're doing like when you're doing something different, like with a 10% when I first launched that, the amount of people who were just doubters, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And same with like, you know, you, when you have a podcast, like, is, you know, you like, you get a lot of people who like your show, but you have those people who troll you and stuff like, and I think that makes you feel very lonely. And so what I, what I kind of draw on at that point is number one is you want to have those go-to people who understand you. Like, you know, like you and I could talk podcasting. I'm sure we would have a million things to talk about in my entrepreneurship world, in my investing world, in my author world, I have those go-to people who are at my level or above many times who just are there I can be like, oh man, like I'm dealing with this is terrible. Like, what do you think? And commiserate or get advice. The other thing I'll say is um, I think if you've had adversity in your life, um, you build the the muscles to deal with getting smacked in the face. And so whenever something really bad happens to me, I have like a process. Basically, I take a nap. I always take a nap because I'm like, you know how animals, when when they're being pursued, they like play dead until 
So that's mm-hmm. basically I have the same thing. Like when something bad happens, I like fall over and sleep. Then I wake up and it, like the world, I have the perspective to then deal with the problem. So, um, but I would say, I don't think it has to be lonely. I think you just have to be in touch with reaching out to people who can share the experience with you. Mm. So that it's more of a communal experience too. Cause I think, yeah, I'm also a massive extrovert. So like I get a lot of energy. This time, I think both of us are that way. It's like this stay at home time has been very hard for extroverts in the sense that we strive on being around people. And not only that, but that's how we, that's how we build our energy and sustain it. Uh, wait, okay. So now that I know that you're an extrovert, do you believe in this idea of being an extroverted introvert? What I mean by that is when you are an extroverted person and your job is to host and speak and to write and be in front of people, even if it's virtual now, right? When you're, when you're alone and you're kind of taking care of yourself, you're taking, you know, what are you introverted then? I, I always say I have two speeds, <laughs> zero or 100. So like, I'll be very outgoing among the people for 33 days. And then I won't leave the house for two days. So, but I know those extroverted introverts. I totally know those people. Um, those people do that more on a daily basis. They need to have that time every day. Whereas I'm just as happy to like go from like 7 a.m. to midnight and then rinse and repeat for a week on end. Okay. And then you just know, when, when do you know it's your time to take those two days, for instance, and just black out with everything? I just, well, sometimes I just like collapse. <laughs> That's yeah, not good. Actually black out. <laughs> just like, no, you're like, oh God, I'm getting sick. or I don't feel good. I think it's like, do I feel good? Is it, I think it's this, is this, okay. Like you wake up and you look at your calendar and you're like, am I excited or is this an obligation? And when it starts to feel like an obligation, especially when you work for yourself, like if you've set up a life of where stuff feels like obligations and supposedly you're in charge, that it's time to step away. Yeah. You should never feel like you're doing it to yourself whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm terrible. I mean, I overcommit and it's a thing I work on, but like, you know, I generally, I, I always feel like, like I genuinely wake up every day thinking maybe this will be the best day of my life. I got to go out there and like live life. And I think that's a fomo thing. And I know that I work on that, but yeah. I also recognize that there's some good in that. Mm. And from the outside looking in, by all means, you you played off very well. We, I would, I would have assumed you had your two days already, and you're, you're going at 100 full speed, if not a thousand. And, and we appreciate. Well, that. I did. <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that. Yesterday, I felt like death. Like the last two days, I was really tired yeah. from like, from just life. And so I actually like last night got nine hours of sleep. Oh, I actually got a COVID test because I was like, oh my god, maybe I'm getting sick. Everything's fine. But I did make that and I'm actually going on like a two week, like kind of cleanse, just not like, like not drinking and eating super healthy because, because it's been an intense year. And I just at one point was like, oh, and so sometimes what helps, by the way, like for that is I've got another friend who's going to do it with me. So having that accountability partner to make sure that you keep each other honest and say like, no, you're not going to like eat that, you know, piece of like stromboli right now. Like you got to have the, you know, sweet green. Sweet green. Oh, I love a sweet green. Always. Any meal. Any meal. I'm going to have to ask you how you build your salads. Mine's a monster. I throw it on there. It ends up getting very expensive because you just like, you end up looking at all the stuff and put everything in the bowl, right? The more. No, 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 no. (laughs) I'd be like, they're perfect the way they are. Like they're already designed. Why would I mess with perfection? Don't fix what's not broken, right? I'm exactly. The, I'm the dumbass that fixes what's, what's already working. Uh, like, can we talk about the idea of FOBO? Covered all things FOMO with you and, and many, much more. FOBO, this fear of a better option now. 
Yeah, that's how you, that's like your salad right there, my friend. Fear of a better option. It's the idea that you have the anxiety of choosing from a set of, 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 of totally acceptable things and there, and you, because you think there might be something better out there for you. So you keep searching until you find it, but you have no idea if it really exists. So it's like Netflix scrolling, you know, you go yeah. on Netflix, like there's lots of plenty, perfectly good things to watch, but you keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling because that option value, the idea there's something better out there is more attractive than maybe choosing the wrong thing. And so that's FOBO. That is the, you know, that's dating apps, that's Netflix, that's seamless. I mean, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty aware of this stuff, but it's like every time I go on seamless, I spend 30 minutes like scrolling. Yeah. And then I just give up and order from the same place in Chinatown that I always order from. Now that you said that, I have to ask you this. For someone who's so busy and you have a lot of things going on and you live a life of, of, being a self-starter and you have so much on your plate at all times that are at high level. You know, you're doing a lot of things that are at a high priority in your life where deciding what to eat probably isn't so important. I want to ask you that when you're deciding what to eat, what to wear, this is like a known thing in New York as well, probably in any major city with people who are busy doing their thing. Have you found that for you too? I mean, feeling you mentioned it, getting on seamless, you're like, gosh, there's 30 options. Screw it. I'm going after the same thing I always eat, you know, and so long that it's a good meal, like a sweet green. If you get the same salad and you know, it's providing nutrition for your body, you're good. Just go get the, go get the salad. But how has that served in a good way for you having not to worry about too many options in relation to FOBO? Yeah. So I have to, I actually did my whole Ted talk, which is called how to make faster decisions. Yeah. Um, is about this. And I have kind of, so I have, there's high stakes decisions and low stakes decisions and no stakes decisions in life. No stakes is like, what are you having for dinner? You're not going to remember that. I can't remember what I had for dinner three nights ago. (laughs) Right. Can you, I mean, no, there you go. So that's a no stakes decision, like no real financial implications. Like, you know, listen, if you have celiac, it's a lot of no stakes, but like for the rest of us, it is low stakes is stuff that like doesn't really have a huge long-term implication, you know, there's some, but you need to like, there's some criteria, like, you know, it's like, um, what TV should I buy? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to, you want to, you don't want to just buy the first thing that comes along, but at the same time, you don't want to spend three months agonizing over which TV to get. So I have two strategies, one for each on the, um, on the no stakes. I basically flip a coin. Um, I do what's called ask the watch. I'll be like, am I having, you know, chicken or fish left side is chicken, right side's fish on the watch. See what the second hand is look down at it decision made. Moving on. I do that with, should I go for a run today? Should I, um, you know, just anything. It's like anything that's really not important. Like, oh, should I get the Chobani uh, oat milk or should I get the other brand? Like, I don't care, but I'm stuck. And so typically you'd make that decision. I wouldn't even have to think about it, but when you're stuck, it means it doesn't really matter. Move on. Now for the low stakes that are things like, what TV should I get? I just went to my friend who knows about TVs and said, this is what I want. And then, you know, she chose it and then I bought it. Like it's that simple. And so um, clothing, for example, like I, you know, I, I wanted to have cooler clothes. I went to my friend who has good taste. And so I outsource a lot of the things that I do to people who are people that I like. And by the way, they do it back to me. They ask me for advice. Hey, Patrick, should I do this or that? Which hotel should I stay at in Barcelona? Well, I can tell you that in two seconds. And so, that makes life very, very simple. And I do that all the time. I never choose where I eat out anymore. I outsource it. Right. Always. Like, where are we going to go to dinner? I don't know. Why don't you choose? I mean, make sure that it's not unhealthy and then you choose. Man. 
I love everything. When we meet in New York, you're going to choose. So. No, you're gonna, I will tell, I'm going gonna I'm to say, make it in this neighborhood or we'll just go to Soho House. But the point is that like, <laughs> you know, we're going to keep it simple. Have to keep it simple. Simplicity is the ultimate sign of sophistication. I can't recall who said that, but I love that. Because if you want these higher stake goals to be met, for instance, you know, the no, the low, the high, if you want, if you want to get to the high and you want to achieve the highest of whatever you're pursuing, Got to keep it simple in the day to day too. That's why all of us wear, you know, neutral colors all the time, and you wear the same white sneakers. I don't really care anymore. All that type of stuff. Yeah. You know? Oh man, Patrick, I can't let you go without asking you a very important question. It's one I want to leave at the end of the show. Uh, you know, you you have such a mark in the podcast world. Uh, you're four seasons in, going on five right now as we speak, and I could only imagine with the mission statement that that you have, and you know, allowing people to really find the courage to miss out. You know, but what do you hope viewers and listeners and people who follow you on the daily, what do you hope they really gain from one conversation, from listening to you, from watching you? What is that one thing you really want people to get from you know, their time with Patrick McGinnis? Yeah. So for me, if you look at, I've thought a lot about this this year. I had a lot of free time on my hands. Oh my and uh, we did like a brainstorm, actually, like a, like a three-day brainstorm session with a person who's helping me to make sure I really, you know, cause like we get lost sometimes in our own work. And sometimes it's helpful to have somebody really work with you to like get back up to like where, what, what, like why, like the old Simon Sinek thing. Right. And so the thing is that I'm driving towards for all of us and everybody who's listening is autonomy. It's the ability to operate in a way that you, you're not worried about, you know, what that person wants or what it, somebody's telling you to do. You're focusing your considerable talents and energy on building something that gives you the ability to call the shots in your own life. Because having lived through a situation now, you know, like, well, in 2008 for me was like that, but now in 2020, um, we don't have, you know, the, the, there's controls is it's an illusion. And so, um, you need to find ways to build levers of control into your life. And you're never going to have hundred percent control. It's impossible. But if you know how to build levers of control and also know how to deal with the things you can't control, you're going to be much more effective. So that's like everything I do is about that. If, I don't know if you can see the thread, hopefully you can, but that's what I want for people. I want people to just like make choices that are the right choices for them um, and, and not worry about the conventional way of doing things or what other people told them they had to do what other people did because uh, the worst place, the place you don't want to be in life is spending all of your time and energy living somebody else's dream. Couldn't have asked, I couldn't have asked you to end this in a better way. So thank you, Patrick McGinnis. Uh, we, we surely hope that everybody listening to this right now took something, at least from everything you've said with relation to FOMO and FOBO and, and your story in general is so insightful as, as to how you live your life, why you do it. And that's why we were so happy to crown you uh, today's man of the hour here on the show. So thank you so much for spending the time with us. You're a busy man and you meditated before this. So I can't thank you times a million uh, for just simply getting on a Zoom call with us, but it means the world. So thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And um, let's see what 2020 gives us, but I hope everybody does well. Justin Crawford here, and I'll be back next week with another great guest on the Men of the Hour podcast. 
In the meantime, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review right here and anywhere else you'd like to listen. Also, check out our Instagram and YouTube channels when you get a chance and see the full video interviews with our guests at Men of the Hour Podcast. Thanks for listening. Now get out there and make a positive change for yourself and those around you. Thank you.